Thank you for taking time out of your week to join us for Coastal's online experience. We pray that this message will bring you hope and joy in your life. If you'd like to get to know more about us, please check out our Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to stay connected with you. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, please share your story at mystory@coastalcommunity.tv. Thanks again for spending time with us. Enjoy this week's message. What's up, Coastal? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Pompano, it's good to be back in the house with you guys. Uh, my name is uh, TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today as uh, we're beginning a brand new series called Hustle and Flow. And I mean, anytime you can put a, a hypnotize to some background music, I mean, it, biggie, 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 can't you? I don't know. It just gets me excited about if you're a product of the 90s, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, you're like, what is he talking about? That's fine. No big deal. But uh, glad to be back with you today. It's been uh, about a month since, since I've had the opportunity to speak to y'all. And so I'm, I'm excited to be back here today. And uh, by the way, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here in case you're you're a guest of ours today. We're glad that you're here. We're beginning a brand new series today called Hustle and Flow. And one of the things that we do here at Coastal is, is we teach through the Bible, through series where typically it's, a, it's kind of topical. We go and we hit different subjects in different areas with different things. Uh, but this series is going to be a little bit different. We're actually specifically looking at one book in the Bible over the summer. I, I think it's good for us to just dive into God's word and just go verse by verse at times and just just really understand that there is power in God's word and it can transform your life. A lot of times we get caught up in, in catchy series titles and creative moments, but I think the word of God is the most creative avenue you'll ever meet. And uh, if you can get a heart and a passion for the word of God, it will transform your life. And so we're going to be diving in to the book of James over the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's my favorite book in the Bible. And a little backstory, in case you don't know much about the book of James, is in the New Testament. It's near the end of the New Testament, and it was written to the Jewish and Gentile believers that were that were surrounding Jerusalem, that were that were scattered all around. And what's interesting is a lot of people think that the book of James was written by James the, the disciple, but it wasn't written by James the disciple. It was actually written by Jesus's half-brother. And, uh, and so like, it's a pretty profound writing. It's a pretty profound perspective because as you start to look at the book of James, you start to realize, man, that this is Jesus's brother uh, that is writing this book. And, and when I started thinking about that, I, I can't even imagine what it must have been like growing up with Jesus. I, I, I imagine that James, as he did things and, and screwed up in life, his parents were like, James, why can't you be more like Jesus? And just trying to live up to that standard would have been terrible. And then to come to find out that Jesus claims to be the son of God, like, I don't know about you, but I have some half brothers and half sisters and I have some stepbrothers and stepsisters. And if any of them ever tried to convince me that they were the son of God, it'd be like, yeah, right. Come on, think about your siblings. Now, like it would be pretty difficult for them to convince you that they are the son of God. But yet, that's exactly what happens to James. In fact, as, as, as you look at scripture, you'll see that James and his siblings and his mother, a lot of times they didn't understand Jesus, why he was alive. And they were, they were questioning him and they were, they were kind of putting him down at times. But after the death and resurrection, James becomes a believer. And if there's any evidence to support Jesus as the son of God, wouldn't the fact that you convinced one of your siblings that you're the son of God, that, that's some pretty heavy evidence right there. And so 
this book is really, really powerful because it comes from this perspective. And, and James, I, I love James because he comes at this with a very uh, active faith as well as, as a faith that isn't just about words. It, it's about it isn't just about expressing your faith through words, but it's about activating your faith through actions. And so, hence the series title, Hustle and Flow. It's about how you live your life, and it's about the words that you speak that are going to make the biggest difference. And so, we're going to go verse by verse in this series. We're going to start in James chapter 1, and we're just going to start in verse 1. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can look at your worship guide. All the notes are in there. Or you can just pay attention to the screen. We'll, we'll be checking that out along the way. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Basically, he's like, hello. And so, uh, you know, he, he just does the normal thing. Hey, what's up? And then James does what, what I love about him is James is kind of a straight shooter, just punch you in the throat kind of guy. And so that's where he goes next. He, he goes, get ready for it. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, of many cons. He goes, hey, hello. And then, hey, let me give you this really, really exciting, encouraging message. Your life is going to go through some moments where it's going to suck. Come on, let's celebrate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Like not the most encouraging message. Like, hey, how's it going? Get ready. Your life is going to be terrible. You know, it's like, that's exactly how James kind of opens up this book. But today, what I want us to realize and what I want us to focus on and talk to you about is that there can be this joy that's in the midst of the trials of life. Now, the reality is, is that your life, my life is full of trials. In fact, if we were honest in here today, and, and I would ask with a show of hands, how many of you all are, are going through some trials right now in your life? You're going through some difficult moments. You're going through some stressful aspects. You're going through some difficult times. The vast majority of us have our hands raised because we're all going through trials in life. Now, if I were to ask you a second question, how many of you all are, are sitting next to your trial right now? Raise your hands. You know, like we, we might get some, some clarity on what's happening in your life. Uh, but that, that would be kind of passive aggressive. Don't, don't raise your hand on that. We'll, we'll talk to you in a different series, but this series. And so James says we should consider it pure joy when we face trials. And what I want you to see today and what I want us to understand is that we all walk through some difficult situations in life. We all walk through some, some trying times and some painful moments. And in those moments, it can be confusing. It can be frustrating. It can be trying. But here's what we need to realize. And if you're taking notes, it's this. God is more concerned with our character than he is our comfort. God is more about developing our character in life. And because he is a good father and he has this desire that we grow to this place of maturity where we reach our full potential, where we start to live out the plans and the purposes that he has for us, as a good father, he's going to allow us to experience some pain. And in order for that pain to have its full work, we need to allow it to go through the process so that we can accomplish something with our life. And so I want to go back to our text in verse two. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Now, why could that be something filled with joy? And he goes into it in verse 3. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, which tells us that if you're taking notes, number one, trials in our lives are tests. The trial that you're facing, the trial that I'm facing is a test, and it's testing our faith. And so what that means is that every single one of us are going to face some difficult moments. We're going to face some trying moments. We're going to face some painful moments, and those moments all serve as a test for our life. And tests are important because they reveal something about us. Now, school just finished up here in the last couple of weeks. And in the last couple of weeks, what was the thing that was happening in school? They were testing, right? They were, they were giving the students tests because the tests reveal something. The tests reveal what has been learned, what concepts the students have grasped, what, what, uh, what, what things that they have been able to take and apply to their life and be able to repeat back. And those tests reveal something. What they reveal is the potential for that student to move to the next level in life, the next grade, or that student needs to repeat that test, right? It's called repeating the same grade. That's what tests do. They reveal something about our life. And God in his infinite wisdom knows every single thing about us. But the reason that he allows testing in our lives is to reveal things inside of us that we have not yet realized that we need some work on our character. We need some work on on some disciplines in our lives that we need to realize what those things are because those things are actually revealing of our future potential and possibility. And until we get those things right, we're never going to be able to move up to the next level of where God God wants to take us in our life and what he's trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish inside of us. That's why Proverbs 17, verse 3, it says, the, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. Now, now what, what are those things? Those are, are elements that refine and define a precious metal. So the crucible is actually the device that holds silver as it gets heated up. And what happens is, is all the impurities or what the Bible calls dross, all the bad things start to rise up out of it so that what is left in the furnace, what is left after the silver, the gold goes into the furnace is pure gold. And, and, and he goes on to say, but the Lord tests the heart. So we have these things that test physical elements, but then God is constantly testing our heart. He's allowing us to get into pressure situations and painful moments to see where we are and where we need to grow in life. And the reason God allows that, because he wants to know that when you're having a bad day and finances are tight, are you going to go home and kick the dog and yell at your spouse? Or have you risen above those habits that you used to have? Have you passed that test in your life so that he can move you on to the next level and so that we can grow in our relationship with him and in our faith in him? In verse 3, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He's saying not only is the trial testing us, but that trial produces something inside of us. If you're taking notes, it's this, the idea that tests have a purpose. Every single test that we're facing in life has a purpose. The reason we can count our trials as joy is because that test of the trial that we're going through has a purpose in our life. There is something that is going to produce something inside of us. In verse 4, it says, let perseverance 
finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking everything. So the goal of the test is that we would become mature and that we would be complete. Now, the word maturity there, literally, if you go back and look at the Greek word, it's, it's this idea that God is this good father and he wants us to become mature. He wants us to reach our full potential in life. And then he says, not only do I want you to mature, but I want you complete, which means that you're stable, stable, unwavering, and that you're not lacking anything in your life. And so the goal for every trial is that it would produce something in our life, that it would produce this maturity, this, this completion in our life, this, 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 this fullness to our life, that we would be able to do everything that God has for our lives. Now, what's interesting is a lot of us pray prayers that are situated around this. We would go, God, man, purify me. God, cleanse me. God, help me to fulfill my purpose and my destiny. And we pray prayers like that, but rarely do we ever want God to answer that prayer. Because the reality of the answer to that prayer is, is that God is going to send some painful moments to our lives, which are tests that are going to cleanse us and purify us so that we can fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives. And, and the pain is the part of the process that grows us. Now, before we get this concept and this idea that, that God is a terrible father, and I would never want to serve a father that would allow pain like that in my life, uh, let me remind you that as a parent, there are moments that you should be intentionally inflicting pain on your children. The reason why you need to do that is because they have attitudes, they have behaviors, they have ideas that are not the correct behaviors, ideals, and behaviors that you would like a responsible adult later on in life to have in their life, would they? Like, you don't want your child at 37 still pooping his pants. Like, you want to fix that, right? Like, you want to you inflict some pain on them right now so they stop pooping in their pants. You want to inflict some pain on them right now so that you don't have to cut their food up as a 60-year-old any longer because they learned how to do it at five. Come on now. But I understand we, we got a totally different concept of parenting today. We want to make sure little Johnny is happy. We want to make sure little Johnny gets a trophy even though he ain't won nothing in life. We want to make sure that Johnny, little Johnny doesn't have to wake up early in the morning. He doesn't have any responsibility at home. He doesn't have any chores. In fact, if anything is not right in little Johnny's life, let's go put a little bubble around Johnny so that he can be comfortable and he can be happy and he can be content. The problem with that kind of thinking is that we end up with 32-year-old babies who have not realized that it's the testing in their life that produces something for their life. And not everybody wins. Only those who pass the tests win. You don't get a trophy for showing up in life. You get a trophy for winning in life. You get a trophy for passing the test in life. And the reality is, is that all of us need some pain in our lives to correct some behaviors. And God does the same thing in our life to lead each and every one of us to spiritual maturity. And we got to go through that pain if we're going to reach our destiny. Because listen, you're not going to reach your destiny without walking through some pressure and some painful moments in life. 
Listen, you can't have your destiny for free. There is a cost. And it's going to cost you something. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, and he says, not only so, but we also glory in sufferings. What is sufferings? It's some pain. Because we know that suffering or pain produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And so we start to realize that we have got to have this process in our life. Something has to be painful so that something can be growing. Now, there's this old workout concept, and, and maybe you've heard it before. No pain, okay, so you all have heard that before. No pain, no gain. Now, now being an athlete all of my life and, and being at, at one point a super workout fanatic, I, I'm trying to become back a workout fanatic just hasn't been the major part of my life. But this is what I realized as an athlete and as somebody that works out. If I'm not in pain the next day after working out, then I did not work out. Because the process of working out, the process of working out should be destroying my muscles. It should be tearing them apart. Because when I tear my muscles apart, they have the opportunity to, to grow and get larger. They have the opportunity to become the potential of what they have. They tear it apart so we can grow. The same thing is true in our spiritual lives. We have got to get to this place spiritually where we're uncomfortable being comfortable. Where there is this constant place in our lives spiritually where there is some pain, there is some tension inside of us, there is some strife inside of us because we are being stretched, we are being challenged, and we are growing because we are experiencing pain, which is allowing us to move forward in life. Now, here's the problem with that. We've bought into this idea that the American dream is free. That, that all we have to do is show up and have this great idea and that we're going to be millionaires. And anybody who has accomplished the American dream knows that that's not true because we still live in this land of opportunity and the land of opportunity that we have requires this thing that most people don't like. It's called hard work. But people look at successful people, people that have accomplished a lot financially, and they think to themselves, oh my gosh, they had all of their ducks just line up in a row, and, and they're in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity, and they didn't have any problems. They just accomplished everything. Or they look at somebody that has a great marriage, and they think, man, they just never fight. It's like they were just meant to be together. I mean, it like when, when they came together, it was like multiple rainbows over top, and it's just per it's rainbows and butterflies in the relationship all the time, where you see people that have great kids that are, that are obedient when they say it the first time and are, are respectful of other people and have manners. And you're like, man, how did they get so lucky because I'm so unlucky? And I'll just fight, I'll tell you, that's just not true. When you see that kind of success in life, instead of going, I wonder how they got so lucky, you need to start asking yourself, I wonder what price they paid for that. I wonder what price they paid for that. Because that person that's financially successful, what you need to ask yourselves is at this point in their life, what were they doing at my stage of life? What were they denying themselves at this moment so they could have that in that moment? 
What was the pain that they were going through? You see that relationship that's just unbelievable? How much did they argue on the front end figuring out how to communicate with one another and how to relate to one another so that they could have this picture-perfect marriage today? How many times did they tell their kids no? And how many times did they discipline their kids in private so that when they went public, they act like that? See, there was some pain in the process there because the reality of anybody that's been successful is no pain, no gain. We can't have the destiny that God has called us to for free. We can't live the life that God has called us to live in comfort, and honestly, have our character grow. Comfort and growth do not go hand in hand. They are polar opposites. Now, on the flip side of that, some of you, you're, you're thinking about pain, but then some of you, you're experiencing pain. Some of you right now, you're in the most terrifying depths of pain that you've ever experienced. And, and, and right now, you feel like giving up because you feel like God has abandoned you. And you're thinking to yourself, man, there's no purpose in all this. You're thinking, I can't understand why this is happening to me. And I want you to know that there is a reason. And I want you to know that your destiny is probably bigger than you realized. And the only way you're going to realize your destiny is to get through a greater measure of pain than the average person is willing to go through because it's going to cost you more to get to the potential that God has for you. But what you need to know today, the person that's going through some difficult times, is there is a purpose in your pain. And God has got something for your life. And I know that you've prayed those kinds of prayers like, God, just take this pain from me. God, just, just get rid of this thing. And, and, and the enemy in those moments comes in and he attacks and he tries to swarm on you. But here's what you need to know. When the enemy comes in is when the battle takes place. And without a battle, there can be no victory in your life. Without a struggle, there will be no strength in your life. Without growth, You'll never accomplish your destiny. Think about it for a moment. If there was never a flood, there would be no need for Noah. If there was never a giant, there would be no need for David. If there was never the children of God in slavery, there would be no need for a Moses. If there was never a cross, there would be no opportunity for salvation. So look at the pain that you're in right now as an opportunity for God to do the miraculous and grow your faith and expound on your life and do something unbelievable that's going to teach you that. So there is a purpose in your pain today. And you might be in the darkest moment that you've ever been in and feel like God has abandoned you, but God has never left you and God will never forsake you. Just hold on right now today. And I know this to be true because I know that God has done some of the most incredible things in the deepest, darkest moments of my pain. Like I am who I am today because I went through those painful moments and I look back on that hell that I was going through and I look at the opportunities that I have now because I was willing to go through hell. In fact, this church... Coastal Community Church was birthed in one of the most difficult moments of Shayla and I's life. It was in the middle of the process of finding out that we would never be able to have physical kids. 
That God said, you know what, you might not have physical kids, but I'm going to birth spiritual kids in your life. And you might not be able to have offspring, but I'll tell you what you're going to have. You're going to have church. You're going to have a church full of people. They're going to come to know Jesus, and they're going to be your spiritual sons, and they're going to be your spiritual daughters. And, and in the midst of the brokenness that we experience, we got this hope that could only come from Christ. Listen, people, there is a purpose in your pain, and God is not finished with you yet, and he has a plan for your life, and you're walking through it right now, and what you're walking through right now, I promise you, is going to play a role in your future. See, we all go through trials. We all go through trials. And continuing in verse 5, James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, we're just talking about problems and pain, and it seems like James, all of a sudden, he just changes the subject. He's like, hey, let's talk about wisdom. And I'm like, I I've always been like, that's really, really confusing. But if you start to think about that, that trials, that, that we're supposed to count it all joy when we face trials, and that trials are tests, and every single test has a purpose, and, and, and we're going through a trial, and, and we're trying to get through that trial, if we're going to realize that purpose, we probably need to start seeking God who has all the wisdom to the answer of what we're trying to figure out, right? And so what we need to realize is that the tests that we're in, they drive you and I to God. They drive us to God. Tests should drive you and tests should drive me to God. Now, chances are you're probably crying out to God, God, deliver me from this test. I know that's my prayer most of the time. Like, God, get me out of this pain. I don't like pain. Like, pain is not enjoyable. But could it be that maybe we're just praying the wrong prayer? See, I think a lot of us, we go through some patterns that are reoccurring in our lives. You know, that thing you keep stumbling in over and over again. Maybe it's every month. Maybe it's every year. Maybe it's every week. Maybe you keep going through the same kind of situations over and over again. Maybe you're going through that situation because you're continuously asking God to deliver you from the situation. Instead of asking God to rescue you, you need to ask God to start teaching you. God, what do you want me to learn out of this situation? Instead of going, God, rescue me, we need to go, God, give me some wisdom. So instead of just continuing going on in this grade over and over and over again, I can actually pass this test and move on to the next grade, move on to the next level. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He goes, man, just ask for it. He said, who gives generously to all without finding fault? Now, there's a couple of words I want us to notice in there. The first one is the word gives. It says God gives. And that word in the Greek literally means a continual giving. It means that every time you come to God, God will give you wisdom. So if you come to him today, he'll give you wisdom. You come to him five minutes later, he's willing to give you wisdom all the time. And then he says he gives it generously implying that he has enough wisdom for every single one of us to come to him every single moment of every single day and ask him for wisdom, and he'll give it to us, and he won't ever run out of wisdom in that time frame. 
Like he has that ability. And it says to all. Now, what's interesting is typically all means all. But in this context, when you actually go and study the word, it actually means that God will give individual wisdom to individual situations. So every time we go to God with our individual trial and our individual circumstance and our individual thing, God shows up and gives us individualistic wisdom for our time, our place, our situation. So not only does God give generously and continuously and specifically, but it says he gives without fault, which basically means that when you show up, God's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Shayla's here again. <laughs> Come on, Shayla, I thought you got it last time. That's not what he does. He says, man, I'll just, I'll just give it generously. I'll just give it again. And it says, and it will be given to you. And then he says in verse six, but, Sir Mix-a-Lot, the big butts of the Bible right there. God likes big butts. Not B-U-T-T, but B-U-T. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And so James right here, he kind of he switches gears on us and he says, man, I'm going to teach you the nuts and bolts of the life of faith. He says, so listen, you're going to go through a trial. And life is not going to go great, but that trial is a test. And that test has a purpose. And when you're in the midst of that, what you need to do is you need to cry out to God and ask him for wisdom. Because God is a giver of wisdom. That's his character. That's his nature. But James says, when he gives you that wisdom, you better be ready to believe and not doubt. Now, what's interesting is that that word believe is the Greek word pistis. And it's the word that is seen all throughout the New Testament as the word faith. And it literally means a trust that produces action. He says, listen, when I tell you to do something, when I say believe, it isn't just a mind thing, it's an action thing. So you better be ready to step into whatever I tell you to do. And then he says, the word doubt there is the word diocrino. It literally means to oppose. And he says, so listen, when you ask me for wisdom, you need to take action on what I tell you because what a lot of people do at that moment is they go, oh God, I don't feel like doing that. And what they're doing is they're stiff arming God and they're opposing him in that moment. See, we need to realize that tests grow your faith. Tests grow your faith test grow my faith. Not only does it drive us to God to pray for wisdom, but it becomes an opportunity for you and I to grow our faith by putting what he says into action. Verse 6, it says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, that verse kind of kind of scares me a little bit. Because I wonder how many of our previous prayers aren't answered or how many of our prayers today are unanswered because we disregarded the previous answer to prayer. See, what happens is God gives us an instruction. He says, this is what you need to do. And we don't feel like following it. And so we oppose him. 
And God allows us to go through the test and the trial over and over and over again. And every time we ask, we get the same answer. We go, I don't feel like doing that. And what God says is that such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. See, I think too many of us, we live our Christian faith kind of schizophrenically. We ask God, but we don't take his answer, and then we run off and we ask this person, we ask that person, we ask Dr. Phil, we ask Oprah, we ask Us Weekly Magazine looking for an answer that feels right to us. That's a little bit more comfortable, that's a little bit more palatable for our lives. And I think the reason why a lot of us don't obey God when he gives us his wisdom is because the majority of the time that God gives us instruction, what he asks us to do is crazy. I'm just being honest. A lot of times we we want the simple answer and what God asks us to do is crazy. I mean, you think about Noah. There's evil all around him and God goes, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to build an ark for the next 120 years and then there's going to be this thing called rain that's going to come. It's going to flood the earth and everybody's going to die. That's crazy. Or David's like, man, somebody needs to do something about this giant. And God's like, go get five stones, shepherd boy. See, most of us want the life that God has called us to live. But then God asks you to quit your job and trust him in this new venture in life. Or he asks you to step out of your comfort zone and start serving others in a, in a different way. Or he asks you to, to uh, sever some relationships that are currently in your life so you can live the life that you've always wanted. Or he asks you to give beyond your capacity to give right at the moment. And, and you're like, oh, heck no. And you stiff arm God. You're like, no, thank you, God. And you wonder why you're not hearing from him and why your relationship with God feels a little unstable in that moment. It's because God is putting us through a test and it's our opportunity to pass the test or to fail the test, to reveal where are we not trusting, where are we not growing, where have we not developed our character. And I'll tell you in my own life, man, God, God has asked, every time that I've gone to God for wisdom, God has asked me to do something crazy. And in the beginning of my faith, it was really crazy because I, I had no relationship with him. So I remember when I, when I came to Christ at 18 years old and God says, hey, you know what, TJ, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell your car and I want you to move to Texas to do an internship after you've been a Christ follower for two weeks. I was like, God, are you smoking crack? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, I'm in, you know? And, and so I sold my car and I moved to Texas to do an internship I knew nothing about. Changed the destiny, destiny of my life. And over time, as God has asked me to do crazy things, like honestly, I'm scared not to do what he asked me to do because I'm afraid of what I might miss out on by denying him the wisdom that he's giving me. And the wisdom that he gives us catapults us to what's next. That's why verse 12 says this. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, God has something for you 
And if you stand the test, you'll realize that there is something on the backside. See, what we fail to realize is that tests always provide rewards. And so today, as you pray, God, help me to reach my full potential. God, help me to be cleansed and and whole and fully devoted to you. Remember that when God starts to test you, when he throws you in the midst of that trial, that it's a test, and that test is going to produce something in your life. And in the middle of it producing something in your life, your, your number one desire at that moment should be to cry out to God, to draw near to him. And what he'll do is he'll give you wisdom. And if you'll be obedient to do what he says, you'll make it through that test and you'll stand at the end of it and you'll experience the promise of his blessing in your life. And the blessing, and the blessing, freedom comes, influence comes, dreams come to life. We trust God in the trials of life.